streaming or downloading the punks in pubs podcast a podcast that's not just for punks and today's episode will prove that episode 16 is me in the middle of a field getting eaten by horseflies talking to james scarlett one of the masterminds behind art tangent and 2000 trees festival before we talk about that and james and his giant festival peaches i want to say a huge thank you to everyone for listening to episode 15 with chris cresswell of the flatliners After taking a month off, I was worried that you guys wouldn't give a fuck and just kind of fuck off and not give a shit. That wasn't the case, and I'm humbled that anyone would be even willing to listen to this podcast, so thank you. Without you guys, this podcast is nothing. Anyway, episode 16 is me talking to James Scarlett about his two festivals. One of those festivals is 2000 Trees. That festival would have come and gone by this time. This podcast goes live on Sunday the 15th because that festival was on Thursday the 12th till Saturday the 14th. But some of you might be picking up your tents on Sunday the 15th and saying goodbye to your weekend lovers and heading home with the buzz of a good time. But then also there's a possibility that that wasn't the case. You didn't get laid, it rained, and you're, you now got swamp ass and your tent is now a raft. I hope that's not the case. I hope it was glorious sunshine. Fingers crossed when you're listening to this, you don't have web feet. If you did go to the festival, you would have enjoyed headliners such as At The Drive-In, Mooseblood, Creepers, Hell Is For Heroes and Touch Amore, just to name a few. To give you a bit of a background of the festival, past headliners have included Alkaline Trio, Frank Turner, Refuse, The Bronx and Neck Deep. And the festival itself has gone from strength to strength from its humble beginnings in 2007 from only a 1,000 capacity festival to the now 10,000 capacity festival while also keeping its true DIY ethics. Arc Tangent is more for you punk and hardcore mathcore crew with this year's headliners Glassjaw, Roller Tomasi, Giraffe Giraffes and Shellac plus many more. Uh, that festival you can actually go to is taking place on the 16th to the 18th of August down Bristol Way and tickets are still available for that one. So why talk to James? Well, James is the guy who puts together the headliners and the rest of the lineup for the festivals. While not being the biggest punk fan, he has helped create and put together two festivals that cater to the punk scene and has helped the punk scene grow in the UK, while also sticking to what I believe true punk DIY ethics. 
So what do we talk about? Well, we talk about musical tastes. We also get a better understanding of how these two festivals, Art Engine and 2000 Trees, ever came to be. We also discuss a topic that has hit the headlines this week and pretty much every year when festival season comes around, the lack of women mainlining and headlining stages across this festival season. Uh, I got eaten by horseflies and James talks about the time he nearly booked Ed Sheeran before he became a megastar, but James wasn't willing to pay the price. As always, we hand over the end of the podcast to you guys and this week it's Block Parents from Cambridge, Ontario, Canada. But before all that, there's this. Kick back, relax, unless you're driving in a car, then don't do that. I do not want to be sued. And enjoy episode 16 of Punks and Pubs. Yes, this is the campaign slithered in jails in the cargo bay. A new turn is a vastness, hollow vacuum, choppy oxygen tanks. They hibernate, but have they kissed the ground? Put her up and kiss the asphalt now. Tease this amputation, splinter glare, ring shit has access now. Okay, here we are in a farm, beautiful sunshine on our backs, and let's start off the podcast with a uh, kind of a joke. A lawyer, a pharmaceutical representative, a journalist, a furniture designer, an accountant walk into a field and create two award-winning festivals, 2000 Trees and Art Tangent. And uh, the man set opposite me is James Scarlett. Hello, James. How are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. Like. You could have picked a better day for this. <laughs> it's it's pretty nice here, isn't it? It is, it is. So, with festivals like this, do you prefer it to be this kind of weather, where it is a bit hot, and you, you're relying on people drinking, or do you prefer the, the wet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the sunshine, definitely. Yeah. We've had um, six years now of sunshine at 2000 Trees, so never, never wish for rain to return, definitely. <laughs> um, so, we're sat in a venue... See, I've never been here, so I don't really know the layout of the place. So where we are sat now, is this going to be a stage, or is this turn into tents, or is this kind of a working area? Yeah, so we're in the backstage camping. Um, so my caravan goes just up here, actually. Um, and then, yeah, those fields that you can see out in in the distance over there is where the public camping is, and then all the stages are, are further down there. So this podcast will go out literally on the Sunday when people are packing up okay. and leaving. They've, they've said goodbye to the person they've declared their love for for the weekend. And uh, <laughs> Have you actually had any like relationships, like marriages? Yeah, yeah. Um, we had a, we've had two weddings here, like in our forest stage. And last year, um, two people that I believe met during the exit set of 2000 Trees years ago, he proposed to her during the exit set last year at 2000 oh, nice. Trees. So, yeah. Nice. And do you get invited to these weddings? No. Well, no, no. I don't know if they got married yet. I feel like they probably have, but no, wasn't invited. <laughs> <laughs> Bastards. Um, <laughs> so I've just got here, basically, and uh, you very kindly fed and watered me. So to kind of give you the thanks back, I've actually bought you a gift. Amazing. I've recently just got back from uh, Beirut, and I've bought you a bottle of beer. Oh, wow. So Thank you very much. Basically, that's a beer called 961 Beer. Uh, 961 being the area code of uh, Lebanon, when you type it in. And uh, I always kind of, because I'm driving, we're not drinking alcohol, and it's 
kind of early. Um, <laughs> I wanted to have beer involved in the podcast because it is called Punks Lovely. and Pubs. So that's for you, my friend. That is very, very nice of you. And I hope you enjoy I hope you like beer, for starters. I, I absolutely do like beer. Oh, good. <laughs> As I said, this is going on the Sunday. How are you after the festival? Are you ready, like... Are you kicking people out like it's the last person at the party going, come on, mate, I need to clean up? Or are you kind of basking in the glow of a, a festival well done? Um, I think Saturday night... Um, you bask for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love watching the headliners on Saturday. And this year it'll be Anti Shikari. You feel like it's great. It's like a bit of relief that you got through without any anything too bad happening. And um, and it's great. But then Sunday morning, we, we often party quite hard on the Saturday night. So Sunday morning is um, is quite painful. And, and you're, you're, you're quite broken. I mean, if you think it's now about um, three weeks to go. And I'm already on site. Mm. So in three weeks' time, um, yeah, you're ready to get out of the farm. But, but breakdown takes us maybe four days. So, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So we'll still be here till the Wednesday following. And yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, we do a little bit of, usually Sunday night, we'll do some basking. Everyone tells stories about bands they saw or funny things they saw happening or, yeah. you know. Um, someone you saw in a wheelie bin or whatever, I don't know. Um, yeah, so that's quite nice. We sit around with some of our friends and helpers and, yeah, just tell stories about what happened. What's the longest someone stayed? You know, like, there's always that weird one who just stays until, like, the bitter end in their tent, mainly because they're just fucked up their face. Yeah, the thing is, we, well, there's, there's, there's often people, you have to go around making sure people are alive in tents on, like, Sunday <laughs> evening. Um, but yeah, we kick them out. We order them a taxi and make oh, them really? go. Yeah, because it, it turns into a building site pretty quickly. So it's not really actually like a safe place to be sleeping, if you know what I mean. There's yeah. heavy vehicles taking stages down and stuff. So as you said, we're kind of three weeks, two weeks out. What kind of person are you? Are you like a get involved, sleeves up? Are you a clipboard kind of? Um, I, I do both, actually. Um, absolutely get involved. So... Um, in a couple of weeks' time, we'll be putting up the fencing, and I'll be leading the fencing teams and being up there with them, putting up all the fencing. Um, but also, I kind of coordinate our setup schedule, which is like we've got a list of jobs, a couple of hundred jobs that need to get done between now and the festival. Yeah. Um, and there's people in there now making signs and and painting picnic benches and stuff. Um, so I've got I'm kind of in charge of the schedule as well. So. Yeah, I've got my clipboard, and then I tell everyone what they've got to do, and then I go and actually get my hands dirty as well. Okay. And do you prefer that side? It's it's quite stressful organising a festival, if I'm honest. (laughs) So I do actually like putting up the fencing, because you're doing physical work, Mm. and it kind of releases a bit of the stress, and... If all you do is sit in an office staring at a clipboard, it's it's kind of, that's kind of an edgy feeling doing that, if you know what I mean. I'd rather be out in this field yeah. um, getting stuck in. Well, we're going to go back to festivals, the, 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 the two festivals in a sec, but I kind of want to get to know a little bit more about you. Um, we were just talking off mic a second ago that you were you were born in London, like you, you were born and raised in London, and then you kind of moved out of London. What, what age did you move out of London? So I moved out of London when I was six. Okay. Yeah. So And then you were brought up in the midlands area wasn't yep. you so how how was that were, were your family quite musically musically orientated who introduced you to music um i yeah definitely my parents love music i think um but i don't i wouldn't say it was a musical household or like a lot of my early memories of going on holidays and stuff is us all singing the beach boys in the car <laughs> but um which which song we're all going uh, like literally everything we, we had the um 
the Beach Boys, one of their one of their many great sits compilations, and uh, yeah, we'd all be badly harmonising with each other. Um, I I like music definitely a lot more than my parents do. Mm. Like I'm quite obsessed with music and bands and who's releasing a new album and what what version of the vinyl I can buy. And you know, my parents aren't like that. So I guess I, I found my love of music then, but I don't know. It developed. Are you a single child, or do you? No, I've got a brother. So one of the other two thousand trees organisers is my brother Rob. Uh, older or younger? Younger, younger. So yeah. was it a case? So who was the person who 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 like you geeked out with on music with? Um, some some of my friends um, at school. I had I when I got into music though. You know, some people are like, yeah, my first band was Nirvana, and like it's really cool, and like, yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah. I used to listen to Fugazi when I was seven, and. I didn't. <laughs> I listened to Extreme and the Little Angels, and I'm proud of it. You know, <laughs> I, it, my my initial musical um, dabblings were not cool in any sense. Um, but yeah, it was my mate, my mate Dan, and um, also Andy, who's one of the 2000 Trees organisers. I've known since I was eight. Yeah, um, yeah, we listened. We used to listen to all those bands. You know, it was Bon Jovi and all that sort of stuff. It yeah, was, yeah, uh, yeah. It's basically the tail end of. Well, it was early 90s, so, yeah. but it still sounded like the 80s. This is mainly a, a punk podcast, but, I mean, the reason I'm talking to you is because, for me, 2000 Trees is a massively successful DIY festival, and you have embraced punk as well, I feel, into the yeah. festival as well. So I'm not expecting you to start reeling off uh, like some high-class punk genre knowledge but was was punk in your record collection? Well, I always think that um, I was really lucky with my, like, I had about two years of loving um, what you might call pop punk, yeah. but not. Well, you tell me whether you th- what you think it is. But the the year the years was like ninety four to ninety six, which I'm pretty sure is the year that basically um, Punk and Drublick came out, yeah. Dookie came out, Smash, uh, Bad Religion, Stranger Than Fiction. Mm-hmm. Like it's like a those all four of those albums are made. Oh, and um, Rancid and Outcome the Wolves. Yeah, in that oh, yeah. kind of in, in that kind of period, um, and I'm sure. Some of those bands would not appreciate being called pop punk, but um, that, that was when I was like really heavily into that sort of music, and I was around sort of like sixteen to eighteen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I yeah I love I love that sort of punk, and also um, a very good my my favorite um, I know someone vaguely famous story is that my mum was a school friend of Brian James from the Damned. Yeah. So uh, I own his. He gave me his original seven inch of New Rose, which is. The first ever punk song released. Wow! And I have his version. I have his copy at my house. And have you framed it? Or is it stored no, away? You no, know I keep thinking that. I, I know it needs framing. It's in my, it's in my collection. But yeah. I, I should frame it. Yeah, you um, definitely should frame it. Yeah. So what was it about those albums then? What was it about like the No Effects Punk and Drubrick and and like Dookie? I always feel that they are the albums that kind of push people even further into punk. Yeah. What was it for you? Was it the energy? Was it was it the the feeling of oh they're they're saying fuck. Like, what was it? Yeah, I mean, they're not... thing is, those sort... You know, like, people that got into punk in, like, sort of, like, 79 or something, there yeah. was probably a lot... It's probably a lot more rebellious. It doesn't really feel, to me, like Dookie or... They weren't Smash dangerous. Smash particularly... Yeah, yeah, particularly scary or dangerous. I was much more scared of, like, Nirvana, for instance. Oh, really? Okay. Um, and even, like, in some ways, I'll probably get shot for this, but, like, Guns N' Roses' Appetite of Destruction is probably more dangerous than those albums. What I loved, actually about those albums is and I still love is that they're just they're like sing-alongs it's basically the Beach Boys with punk guitars it's yeah. like it's so catchy like Strangers in Fiction 
Dookie, Smash. Like, all of those albums, I could sing you the whole album now. Just throwing a woe and, and you're there. Yeah, yeah, really. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mega, 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 mega hooky. Um, and, and do you remember going to your first punk show as well? Or a hardcore show or a rock show? Because I'm always interested in how people... Because I, when I was younger and I, was, I went to my first live show, I was nervous because I saw a pit. And I've yeah. never been in a pit, but I knew I wanted to get involved. And seeing yeah. these big fucking guys... I'm not, I'm not a very, like, cut guy. I'm quite slim. So seeing these guys bash into each other, I was like, I don't know about that. How about yourself? Yeah, so well, we used to go to... Because um, we lived in a village... <laughs> Um, it, it was quite hard to go to gigs, so like you'd have to get your dad to drive you to Wolverhampton, and it's um, you know that's an hour away. So a lot of my early gigs were actually festivals, Reading, Reading festivals, Reading festival, and um, Donington Monsters of Rock. Yeah. So I, my first pits um, were at those sort of places, and I remember this isn't really punk, although it's got definite punk elements to it. I remember seeing Slayer. Um, at my first ever festival, and I was really? absolutely terrified at looking at the crowd of what was going on. violent mosh pits I've been into are hip-hop mosh pits, yeah. if I'm honest. And I always feel there's kind of a decorum in, in punk pits. If someone falls down, I always say at the end of my podcast, if someone falls down, you pick them back up. Absolutely. Whereabouts in hardcore, in hip-hop shows, that is not the case. No. If you fall down, they're stamping on your fucking head. <laughs> <laughs> like, just seeing that going, oh, no, this ain't for me. I'm going to step back out of this one. Yeah, and that's what I love about metal and, and punk and stuff is that um, it really is like people pick you up there's mm. there's more people trying to pick you up than you need. It's um, <laughs> you know when you go down, particularly at a festival, it's you know it's quite scary if mm. you're in a circle pit and you fall over and then twenty people land on you. Yeah, it's kind of, you want you want to be picked up quite quickly. Yeah. So do you remember the first band you actually went in? Are you a pit kind of person? Um, well, yeah, I've retired from that. There's only <laughs> a couple of bands that could still get me in there. Do you know what? I think that Slayer year that I saw them at Donington Monsters of Rock was my first. I don't know if it was actually Slayer that I went in for, but yeah. Yeah. It, and, they're, and they're big, big pits then. And that's, you know, like at, at big festivals now, they've they've got the pit barrier that separates the crowd into like four. Yeah. Whereas in those days, that didn't exist. So the circle pits are bigger. <laughs> yeah, um, I, was, I was at Brixton the other day, actually, and they've done exactly the same thing. They've got like four pillars that kind yeah. of mess up the crowd. 
And I don't know if that is to discourage people like moshing or circle pits, but it just breaks up the, the what I feel, like the, the feel of a gig. A yeah. gig should just be sweaty people yeah. slamming against each other. Absolutely. And Brixton used to be one of the best venues. I used to always love Brixton. But now it's just, it's, it's lost that element of being able to create energy and a huge pit and... Yeah, it's all crowd safety thing. I think that so so it's not yeah it's not the same as it was. Wow, insurers. Will, will, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they they will love their way. What about other music then? So what was your what was your love then growing up? What was your first album? Well, like I said, started with the Beach Boys, um, and then I first got into rock music through a band called Extreme, who is which is proper eighties rock. Mm. Um, uh, they got an album called Pornography, and then it kind of yeah I went. I then got into metal and punk through that. And I, I, I give that, that sort of early 90s hair metal stuff credit for getting me into liking the sound of a, a distorted guitar, basically. Yeah. Um, from, them, from there, I started exploring metal, really. So Metallica, Megadeth, um, and those kind of bands. And like I said, the, the mid-90s American kind of offspring green day and all that and then my taste got a bit more um weird and progressive i suppose i basically there's two bands the, the two most important bands for me ever and they're definitely not punk bands um is the mars volta and opeth okay because they opened up my mind to like knowing i didn't realize that music could be that weird and and bonkers yeah um and like you could mix so many different types of music in one thing um and that's kind of where Arc Tangent Festival came from, really. It's like all my stuff I listen to now is very much in that sort of vein. Experimental, trying... Like, math core. I know math core gets thrown around a lot yeah. at Arc Tangent, but is it, is it that kind of complicated um, uh, structure of music? Is that what you enjoy? Yeah, uh, sometimes. I mean, but I also... I, I, I like... I, a lot of the stuff I listen to now is quite slow and heavy. Okay. So not necessarily complicated, actually. Um, so like Neurosis and Cult of Luna. Um, and uh, there's a band called Armin Ra from Belgium that I absolutely love. Um, but I think those those sort of bands totally have. I mean, Neurosis used to be a cross-punk band. Hmm. Um, and they completely have a punk ethic, which is they do whatever the fuck they want. You've gone from... So how old are you when you really started getting to music? I know you said, like, was it like 15, 16, 17? Yeah, probably... Um, well, yeah, maybe... I think I was probably about 13 when yeah. I first started getting into rock music. Yeah. And did you pick up a guitar or were you just quite happy just staying in your room? Yeah, so I, I yeah, bought a bass, guitar. My brother had a drum kit. We used to just make loads of noise and then I got a guitar. And yeah, so I was in, I was never trying to be in a band to be anything other than I'm really enjoying playing with my mates. So it wasn't yeah. like a, I wanted to be in a band. I thought I could be successful or anything. Just as an aside, they have horseflies here. Okay, yeah. The thing about horse flies is they're territorial, so they're not like normal flies. So you you can't um, flick them off because they'll just keep coming back until they bite. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the yeah. first thing that came to my head was like, these are big flies. These are going to bite. Yeah, they, they absolutely do bite, yeah. I'm afraid. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. If I come back with like hives and shit all over my neck, uh, my girlfriend, it's not because I've been filthy in the field. It's because I've been filthy with flies in the field. <laughs> so what pulled you away from music then? Because... You went on to become um, uh, a uh, uh, numbers guy. Yeah, accountant. Yeah, account- yeah accountant. Yeah. So how did that, how did you go from... Because an accountant isn't like the most rock and roll No, absolutely job. not. So was it a case of 
family going you need to have a career or was it your own head stead, like head were you like i needed something steady this is this is who i am i think because you know like i would say that if you grow up in camden right you're surrounded by people that are in bands and are putting on gigs and stuff if you grow up in the village of marchington with 100 and, <laughs> well like 500 people and you go to school in the local town i don't think it ever occurs to you that you're going to do those sort of jobs i didn't even really know those sort of jobs existed or festival organizing or anything yeah so i was just you know i did economics at school and i was quite good at it and then i did it at university and i just fell into a job which i absolutely hated from the minute i started it but it um and the reason we started 2000 trees is because a lot of us were really pissed off with our jobs and we actually just were looking for a hobby Hmm. so we didn't start 2000 trees to be like our jobs we started it to distract us kind of how we got into it and i and i think your question was like um how did i get away from music but i never the answer in my head is that i never did yeah because basically i was buying more music than i ever had and i was going to more festivals than i ever had but it was my like it was my hobby it was like work and hobby and i'm just really lucky that i've ended up my job is now my hobby as well yeah so that's really that's that's cool but that time being an accountant, have you brought that into what you do here? Because obviously money plays a part in any any kind of uh, enterprise. Absolutely. And this is a huge enterprise. Yeah, yeah. It costs over half a million pounds to put on 2,000 trees. Um, right. So if you get it wrong, then like <laughs> it's going to go badly wrong. So, And we all know lots of festivals have gone bust. So I definitely think the fact that on our the, the original founders, you know, the fact that there's an accountant and a lawyer and... You know, one of them used to sell pharmace- like pharmaceuticals, legal drugs. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I think that we've we've benefited massively from the fact that we have other skills than just being into music and festivals. touching it i was going to talk about it later but I might as well talk about it now so like like you said festivals have dropped off like atp is probably the closest festival i could probably bring to like art tangent yeah really and that just that came, for me that came out of nowhere because they were selling tickets and it was like no we're done what did they go wrong with that so you've done right the interesting thing about atp is that it's a different business model because obviously you're at a, like a butlins type holiday camp whereas we're in a farm in a field and 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 also you get festivals that are just city festivals where you, they don't provide you accommodation at all. I think those three things are actually very difficult. They they're very different. They all call themselves festivals. So I don't know why ATP went wrong. I have no idea how much it costs to put on an ATP style festival. I think festivals in fields they go wrong because um, 
people don't sell enough tickets, basically. You've got to sell a lot of tickets. Like, if, if, if only 3,000 people came to 2,000 Trees or Arc Tangent, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't exist. Because mm. um, they cost so much to put on. It's a challenge. I just wanted to quickly throw this question in there, though. Uh, being an accountant, how, how would you do on Countdown? Do you think your Countdown game would be high? No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be high. And it's a myth that accountants are good at numbers because obviously <laughs> nowadays it's all calculators and spreadsheets. Yeah. So no. My, okay. okay. I, I did A-level maths, yeah. but it wouldn't be great. No. You're not about to do make me do one, are you? I'm not, no. no. <laughs> I just, I, I'm, 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 I'm dyslexic, so I, I'm always shit at Countdown, but I love watching it. <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's, <laughs> it's, it's like, I can never do this, but I really want to have a go. I just want to be that guy who goes on there and just spells shit so wrong that they just like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on with this guy? Amazing. Um, from what I've read, and I think this story is quite well known, and, but I still feel it, it's, it's still good that you tell it. From my understanding is that you guys went to Reading Festival, fucked off with what Reading Festival was becoming, is that correct? Because yep. Reading Festival can be a bit of a... You get to an age, for me, I haven't been to Reading in years, but I can remember the last time I went to Reading, I was like, fuck this shit, man. This is just stupid. Kids are just blowing up tents. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, this ain't even for me anymore. What, what was the point for you guys when you go to Reading? Was it the lineup? Was it just the, 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 the feel of the festival? Yeah, um, not the lineup. So I think the lineup now has changed a lot. But in, in 2006, when we're talking about, the lineup was still really strong at Reading. I just felt like you could see how they were pursuing profit above other things. And, you know, like the, so the facilities like the toilets and the water and the campsite space would just seem to be getting worse and worse. Um, and, you know, some of these big festivals have upped their game a bit with the food and drink. But in the, in 2006, it was terrible. It was like warm lager that tasted of eggs yeah. and like burgers that would basically just make you shit yourself. It's not, it was dark, not nice. And it just felt like there had to be a better way of doing it. And now I am not pretending by any stroke that we are the pioneers of small festivals because we're not. I think what we what we tried to do at 2000 Trees and now Arc Tangent is take the lineups that we loved, which were the rock lineups that you would see at Reading and Download, and put them with a small f- boutique festival sort of vibe that you might get at like Truck Festival or um, Why Not Festival and those smaller festivals because it, it's just nicer. There's just like better food and drink, more beautiful location. Um, good toilets, good litter pickers, you know, all that sort of stuff that I think is really important to people. Um, and give them a lineup, which is much more what we would want to listen to. Something that doesn't, I still don't think anything exists that is the same as 2000 Trees. It's like, we've got a unique lineup, which has some crossover with Download and Slam Dunk, but we've got a uniquely beautiful, I mean, look at this place, it's yes, so beautiful. Stunning. You can't really see it, but you've got like hills bounding over and it's just pure green, and that's something, as much as Reading and Leeds Festival and other festivals are done in a field, it's not green. It's, no. very, it's very either yellow or, or uh, dust. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, this is it's particularly amazing here, I think. It's just like rolling rolling hills in the background. And, you know, just that field there is there's two stages in that field. So it's, it's just nice to uh, have the music you want to see, but in a nice location as well. Mm. 
I'm giving up the booze, I'm starting today A fortnight on the wagon and I'm sure I'll be okay I doubt it will be easy though, I'm sure it won't be fun And I'm counting down the hours till the withdrawal symptoms come My name's Jay and I'm an alcoholic There I said it now To anyone who'll listen And I said it really loud My kidney's fucking killing me My memory's in bits My wallet's always empty And in the morning I feel like shit Waking up and not remembering where I've been I'm bored of blurring memories and forgetting people's names I had a beer for breakfast and talked about a hairy dog And I always start the evening with a few Sambuca shots My name's Jay and I'm an alcoholic There I said it now To anyone who'll listen And I said it really loud My kidney's fucking killing me My memory's in bits My wallet's always empty And in the morning I feel like shit Well I'm giving up the booze But it won't be forever I'm just gonna prove that I can do it And test my willpower I doubt that you'd believe me If you knew me from Adam Cause my love affair with alcohol Has never been a problem So you kind of spoke, spoke about like the small feel of the vibe 2000 Trees, am I right in saying Started out around about 1000, 2000 yep. And now that's slowly built up to 10,000 yep. Arctangent 5000 yep. Where do you stop? I mean, because you want to keep that that feel of a small festival yeah. but, you, but you have a demand and also like you said it's half a million pounds to, mm. to put this festival on and you need to make a profit to live yeah so how do you find that 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 line to to draw and and stay on it yeah i mean it's a good question i think ultimately you'll know you've got it wrong because people will tell you i mean that's the beauty of social media and, <laughs> and you say beauty yeah <laughs> sure yeah well absolutely will. you have to listen to your audience and i think the audience, on the one hand, they want you to book like Deftones and Queens of Stone Age. And on the other hand, they want you to keep it small. Mm. Now, you can't have both of those things. And, you know, we got out the driving in Shikari this year. You can't have, like I said, you can't have a 3,000 capacity festival with those bands. Because financially, it wouldn't work. So, to get the bigger rock acts, you have to have slightly more people. I'm 100% certain we haven't crossed the line yet where we're too big. Yeah, And we're not we're not actively pursuing being this massive festival. That isn't. That's not our. That's not our plan. I think most people that come to Tears and Trees will tell you it's still really intimate. You know, the maximum walk is less than five minutes between stages. You're not in big crushes unless you want to go right down the front. It's just. It's still really chilled. It's, I personally feel it's still got the same vibe that it had right back at the start. It's just got a much better lineup. Yeah. I don't know what the point would be where that would cross. We would cross that line. I mean, you can only do so much, though. Also, it's down to the people who come and respect what you're trying to do and respect that vibe. Because if you have a bunch of people like who go to Reading, who on the last the Sunday night, which turns into fucking the apocalypse, you're not going to have that vibe. So how how do you make that mood? Because it must be something that you guys are doing, whether you do bring that mellow vibe, whether it's people are like, yeah, I don't I don't need to get up and set fire to a toilet. I think, I think there's lots of elements to that. One is that 
our staff buy into the ethos of the festival. So that, whether that's the security guards, the stewards, stage managers, whoever, the bands nowadays buy into it as well. So everyone is kind of friendly, and the way the bands talk about the festival from the stage is great, and the first security guard that you meet when you come through the gates will hopefully be smiling at you. Yeah. And I think all those things, you, I would like to think that people can see a lot of love's been put into 2000 Trees. And that's like the opposite feeling of how I used to feel about the big festivals. I didn't feel like there was any love put into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I always felt like the security guard was just waiting for that Sunday to kick the shit out of people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I just don't think there's that desire for destruction in the same way. If you treat people like idiots, they'll probably act like idiots. I think that's just the way it is. Um, it's tempting to like take all the credit for the nice vibe at 2000 Trees, but at the end of the day, the crowd are the ones that create the vibe, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, really. So yeah, yeah. I suppose we've done something right. I think a lot of it's more luck than judgment. It's just happened. We're really lucky with what's what we've got here now. So am I right in saying that you are in charge of the lineup? You're you're in yeah. charge of booking. How does it feel? You kind of spoke about social media. How are you? Do you look at social media the day you start adding lineups and seeing what people are saying? Yeah. So firstly, hiding from it is not the way to go because <laughs> if people are going to criticise it, you better know. Yeah. Because otherwise you'll get it wrong every year and it'll eventually no one will come. The reality is, you know when you've got it right. Like when we were releasing out the driving and Shikari, I knew everyone was going to be really happy. Um, there's some announcements which I won't name bands. There's sometimes you announce bands and you know that's not necessarily going to be, people are going to be like, oh, it's not as good as last year or, oh, why have you booked that band again? Yeah. Um, <coughs> Frank. So, <laughs> no, joking. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, right, so, fr- yeah, Frank Turner. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, if we were to book Frank Turner next year, Frank will come back one year, I'm certain of that. If he was to play next year, I can guarantee you 50% of the people would be ecstatic. Yeah. And 50% of the people would be like, this is fucking boring, what the fuck? Um, I don't know who's right, actually. Maybe it is boring, maybe... Well, Frank has changed um, his sound. Like, his new album yeah. is a completely different sound, so... I, I feel he's he's started to like reinvent himself as what he wants to be as a yeah. show person. So I don't think you'll get the same show as no. you would have back his first show that he came here. It's going to be completely different yeah. to his show that he's doing now. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. So next year. I, I'm, yeah, <laughs> there you go. Confirmed, <laughs> Frank, uh, um, next year. But yeah, it's, I think you've just got to listen to people. But in the knowledge that people are louder on social media when they're unhappy than they are when they're happy. Yeah. Uh, so what what point do you start actually planning then? Like, do you do you have a a list, a wish list, and then you whittle that down, and they say yes or no? Yeah, the and and to be fair, the wish list this year of Antichikari and at the driving is pr- pretty close to the top of the list. Yeah, like in terms of bands that we can that are within our budget, because I can't we couldn't ever book Queens of Stone Age, right? They're not they're way too expensive. Um, Has any bands actually like? brought their budget down because they want to play here um you don't have to name the price but (laughs) yeah absolutely some some do but it's it's quite unusual um because frankly the bands aren't really the ones you're talking to you're talking to the booking agents so not not really very often um but bands all they do want to play here they Mm. absolutely i i went to the krang awards on um this week and um i met um, the lead singer Ralph from N Shikari. Yeah. And he was saying they've wanted to play at Two Trees for years and they're really excited and it's so cool to hear. It makes you really happy. Yeah. And we, we definitely get people approaching us a lot saying we really want to play or we really want to come back or So you kinda of touched on the fact that 
you, you are very much um, invested in British music. I mean, just off my head, you've had Ghost of a Thousand, King Blues, Frank Carter and Rattlesnakes, Frank, we've already spoken about, uh, and Shikari headlining this year. Why is it that you want to continue to support British music? And because the money surely is in those big American bands. So like Slam Dunk recently is just turned into an American warp tour. And that's not me slagging off Slam Dunk because I love Slam Dunk Festival. But it seems to be that the British bands aren't really getting the billing of where they probably should be if, for a British festival. So so why is it important for you to be able to fly fly the flag, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh... I guess one of the one of the, my favourite ever periods of British music was uh, oh sorry of music was br- what they were calling Brit rock, yeah. which was like Therapy, The Wild Hearts, Terrorvision. Like the, basically that era of bands is probably my favourite ever. So I I, I came up on Brit- British bands um, a lot, and I really want to support it. And I think the the scene is so strong, you don't need to fill your bill with with American bands. Having said that, if you want different headliners every year. And you're a rock festival. You absolutely need to book bands that aren't just British. Yeah, because we'd end up just having the same bands over and over again. There's just there aren't enough big big enough bands that are gonna. Because at the end of the day, headliners do sell more tickets than the smaller bands. Yeah. But the thing I get excited about is like our fourth stage where we've got a load of bands like Conjurer and Bitch Falcon and um, Gender Rolls, like loads of stuff that I'm really excited about this year. Um, and those bands will be the next generation of headliners, I hope. Well, I mean, you're two headliners that, for me, are the ones that I would be like just so excited about. Is at the drive-in, and also you've got Glassjaw at Arctangen. Which one are you? Would you if you if they were both on at the same time? Which one would you be going to? Uh, well, at the drive-in, I'm afraid because yeah. the Mars Volta, as I said earlier on, are my favourite band of all time. Yeah. Um, at the drive-in, are probably in my top twenty bands of all time. Um, I really, really love Glassjaw, but. Out the drive-in all the way. Would you? Um, do you think you'll geek out? Are you? Have, have you ever geeked out at a band before, or are you just, is that just not in your? Are you just too cool for school? No, I'm not cool um, in that <laughs> way. Uh, I think I'm aware that as the festival booker and organizer, I have to in some way not be some drooling fanboy. Um, but I want to go up and uh, and say, "Hey, Omar, um, Cedric, <laughs> thanks for playing at my festival." Um, you know, will you sign my vinyl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Love you, bye. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm going <laughs> to do that and, you know, and say thank you to them. And then I really want someone to... I, I, was, I was thinking of doing this thing, right? Instead of asking them for a selfie, which is the most cringeworthy thing you can do, basically <laughs> just get one of your mates to go, hey, guys, do you want to have a photo? Well, we just went on there chatting to them. It's like, oh, God, man, that's as well. <laughs> we get a celebration of a photo. Yeah. Yay. Um, it's like the, this is like... The peak, the, some of the bands I booked this year is the peak for me in my career, really. Yeah. Um, and like we got Shellac at um, Arctangent. It's just like, I don't know. I can't believe that Steve Albini is going to be on, on that farm. It's weird. Yeah. And sometimes the festival ends and you think, fuck, Steve Albini was there and I didn't say hello to him. I booked him. I should have said hello. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, without being a fanboy. Yeah. But I'm not cool, mate, in that way. <laughs> <laughs>
So, tell me about the time you tried to book Ed Sheeran. Oh, yeah. So, when I was living in London, I used to go to loads and loads and loads of, like, really, really small gigs. Yeah. And I went to, like, a hip-hop night where they were doing... I was really out of place because I don't know anything about hip-hop. Um, they were doing, like, a Eminem film where there's, like, a, a battle. A rap battle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they were doing that, and Ed Sheeran was one of them. And he was amazing. <laughs> I mean, like, say what you want about Ed Sheeran, but I've seen him yeah. on his own with an acoustic guitar in a little venue and I've seen him do a like freestyle rap battle thing yeah. and he was fucking awesome yeah so, so how did that go about was it a case of hey Ed I run a festival no so he he already so he already had a booking agent then and basically I made an offer and the agent said look this guy's going to be massive that's not enough money raise it to whatever and it yeah. was, still would have been very cheap and I was like nah I just saw him in a little venue. I don't think he's, I don't think he's really going anywhere. I just thought he'd have been a nice guy to have on the bill. <laughs> but we've had like we had George Ezra one year playing yeah. acoustic set, and he's now like you know number one album in the charts and all that. So something that has been in the press is about the lack of female fronted uh, bands or female in in bands headlining shows. And I was wondering, as a person who is a booker at a festival, do you think it's your responsibility to? put them in a position where best they can showcase it or do you feel it's if you're good enough you will be there well i think i think it's important for me to note that i am a white male when when we're talking about this so i I accept that some of the things i think about myself may be just me kidding myself yeah um but i think that um i honestly believe i can look myself in the mirror and say that i've really supported um female artists in the rock world as as much as anyone could do in my position i think the the percentage of female artists on our lineup is higher than most other events of, of a similar nature and we've done some, we did some research actually um where we looked at big booking agents management companies and record labels in our rock in the rock world and looked at the percentage of female artists they've got on their rosters and compared it to us, and we're higher. Yeah. So what that tells me is, I'm doing more than more than the average, and more because it, it's really hard. I don't believe in quotas, right? I don't believe in saying you should have fifty percent of anything on anything. Yeah. Because, and I don't believe that, um, you know, Eva from Rolo Tomasi or Justine from Employed Serve or Serena from Svalbard want me to book their bands because they're women. They want me to book their bands because they're fucking amazing. Yeah. And th- those bands are amazing, right? And they've all played my festivals multiple times. And um, there's loads of great female acts on my festivals this year. But if you look at Arctangent as an example, I challenge you to find 100 female math rock bands. It, it just... It just doesn't exist. The maths don't add up. No. They don't. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so, I don't know if I'm making my point very well. I don't want to positively discriminate is what I'm saying. Yeah. But, like, as in saying no to male bands at the expense of female bands, just so that I can say, look at me, aren't I great? But I know that I spend a lot of time searching for those great female female acts or, or acts containing women. Um, and they've... And the, the evidence is there. 
But having said that, if next year there's there's a smaller percentage, I don't want to get a load of shit because I'm <laughs> I'm standing in now saying I don't believe in quotas. I don't believe in positively discriminating. I'm booking. I'm going to book the bands that are amazing. Yeah. And what we should be looking at, I think, and I don't. This is my opinion. I don't have any research to back this up. We should be looking at if we think that fifty percent of rock bands should have women in it. Let's look at why they don't. Is it because girls aren't playing guitars and don't have a distortion pedal? Is it because they're not playing drums? Is it because you're buying female stereotype presents for your daughters and footballs and drum kits for your sons? I don't know. Is that the reason? Because it's definitely not the festival bookers (laughs) that have meant that there aren't as as many female acts in that world. It can't. It's not me. Yeah. It's it's not my. I'm certain it's not my fault. <laughs> it's your, I, it's all I, your fault. But I would also um, <laughs> accept that I am a man. So, of course, I'd say it's not my fault. It's a tricky one. Do you, does that make sense? No, no, I, I agree. I, I think if, if there's, there's not a supply, then how can you... You can't just get bands out of thin air and put them on stage and go, hey, guys, <laughs> this this invisible band is a female-fronted no, band. Absolutely. So, yeah, I completely... And you know, you know I was saying earlier on... Um, about whether you get your first choice of acts. Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you that I offered some really, really big slots to two, like, 50-50 female to male acts this year at 2000 Trees. And they both said, no, they weren't available, we didn't have enough money, whatever. But So it's, it's not like just the, f- the bands with females in that you see on the lineup. Is that's not everyone. There's loads that said no as well. Yeah. Um, and they'll play next year, hopefully. Let's talk a little bit about Art Tangent uh, before we start wrapping up. So, Art Tangent, this year you have um, you've got Holy Raw and Big Scary Monsters uh, having a little versus battle. Yep. Um, I know that because I, I did the podcast with those guys for for I don't know when that's being released. I don't know. If that, hopefully, that'll be released before this is because otherwise, I might just give them something away. Yeah. <laughs> um, but how important is it for small festivals who work with those kind of independent labels to be able to kind of lean on each other for uh, acts? Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I well, I think those sort of people like Kevin and Alex, uh, those record labels, they really know. They really know the scene and they know what what a great small band looks like. So for me, it's like a way of like, instead of me listening to 500 bands to find the one good one, I just let Kev listen to 500 bands to find the good one and then I'll just book that good one. <laughs> it's like the lazy way of booking. Yeah. It's great. I mean, holy rock. So Big Scary Monsters, if you were to ask me what my favorite label is, historically, it's them. I think I love them. And I love Kev and Dave. Um, but Holy Raw this year are on fire. I, I cannot, I'm, I've, I'm a subscriber now to... Um, so I get all their all their releases. Yeah. And literally, so my favourite album of this year so far is Boss Kelloid. Um, the Svalbard album's amazing. The Roller Tomasi album's amazing. I love Conjurer. Um, Moll. I mean, what? They've released those five records and I'm pretty sure I'm missing a couple as well. All in 2018. Oh, um, don't the mic. <laughs> yeah, the dog's taking my <laughs> mic. Um, so those, both those labels are brilliant and yeah. Do you think you'll mix it up? Do you think next year you'll have a, two different other labels or do you think you're going to try and... Uh, no, I, don't, I probably think we won't do it. Do it at all. We won't <laughs> yeah. do it at all. It's like you don't. The thing about I think festival booking is you need to not get lazy and be like, oh yeah, that was easy. Let's do that again. It's like even if it works and it's the best thing ever, let's do it in three years' time again. Yeah. Um, when they've got some different bands and and stuff. So yeah, I don't think there aren't that many labels that fit perfectly with Two Thousand Trees or Arc Tangent. So I can't see us. 
finding two others necessarily. So talking about not getting lazy then, looking forward, what are the big plans? If 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 everything goes exactly how you want it to go, are you, are you looking to expand? Do you want to do another festival? Are, are you are you just wanted to actually just make Art Tangent more uh, well known, like Two Thousand Trees? What I mean, what's the plan? Um, so definitely no new festival because I'll have a heart attack. Two's enough. Um, the plan is to like I'm already starting to think about next year, and like so the the very basic plan is to book a stronger lineup than than this year, and I think I can do that for both festivals. There's still some like boxes to be ticked for me in the oh my god. I've booked out the driving list, you know. Yeah. I want to book the Mars Volta one year. I want to book Deftones. Yeah. Um, but both of those are definitely achievable. They're not out. They're not... It's not like saying I want to book Metallica. It is actually achievable. Yeah. Um, Deftones, though, would it be for Arctangent? Uh, do you know what? They're the sort of band, as are at the driving, that would yeah. work for either festival. Yeah. Or even both. And Glassjaw, again, they would pl- they would work at Tears and Trees as well. So, um, I don't want Arctangent to be as well known as Tears and Trees because... I don't think that's the point of Arc Tangent. The mm. point of Arc Tangent is to be kind of left field and weird and like, if you know, you know, and if you don't, you wouldn't like it anyway. Um, <laughs> yes, that two- just sounds like a cool kids club <laughs> right there. No, it's not. Well, if you don't well, know about it, that's on you, buddy. Yeah, well, no, but it's, it's the fact that I think if you listen to some of those bands, it's just not, it's not made to be consumed by the masses. Yeah. You know, like Ducky was made to be consumed by the masses and I love it. But, um, you know, shellac, <laughs> it's just not made to be played on radio. It's made to annoy people and, like, some, and, you know, for people to just straight their beards and nod their heads to it. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's kind of like, yeah, it's punk and the opposite of punk in the same breath, if you know what I mean. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I just but, have uh, this room now. I just have this vision of just the people in a room with speakers, big beards, eating cheese, glass of wine or port and just going, yeah, I get this. And no, no one getting it. No one getting yeah, it. Yeah, at all. it's all about pretending. You yeah. Get it. Exactly. <laughs> well, thanks for doing this. Pleasure. Uh, I hope you have a great festival. I wish you all the best moving forward, mate. Amazing. Thank you very Thank much. You. Cheers. Many ways, many days, many spaces down the line. When people whisper, it makes them nervous. It's you from the airport, you dress in most letters. Several days I just might be worth it So after all After all Thank you to Chris who will no doubt be nursing a massive hangover but a well-deserved hangover As I said in the interview 2000 Trees is now done for this year but Art Tangent is coming up in August Go to www arctangent that's a-r-c-t-a-n-g-e-n-t dot co dot uk for tickets there's also a special arctangent bsm versus holy raw podcast that i moderated and present if you want to listen to that one go to the punks and pubs twitter instagram and facebook page at punks and pubs and there's links there to that podcast a huge thank you to the newest member of the punks and pub podcast family You may notice this podcast sounds a little bit better this week. Well, that's down to Steve Burke, who has joined the crew. So thank you to him for his audio production assistance. Thank you, Steve. No one seems to be doing this next part, and it's really important, and it's starting to fuck me off. Please, 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 for the love of fucks, go rate and review on iTunes. It really helps the podcast grow and lets other people find the podcast. 
So please go to iTunes and go rate and review. Anyway, that's your telling off over. Time for the part of the show where I hand over the podcast to you people. This week, this week's band are from Cambridge, Ontario, Canada. Time for some good old fast punk rock. These chaps are called Block Parents and this is Cold Turkey. If you're going to a punk show and you see someone fall down, you pick them right back up. Until next time, I love you. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>